Welcome to First Importance, featuring the preaching and teaching ministries of First Baptist Church, West Memphis. If you have your Bibles, you know where to join me, Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 today, we will be looking at verse 4. Philippians chapter 4 in verse 4. You know, from the beginning of time, of all of mankind, all of mankind has had in common this one relentless pursuit. All peoples of all languages, of every color, of every creed, of every culture, religion, and background has had this one aim in common. As uh, someone who enjoys reading and studying history, and looking at various cultures, I can think of no exception to this one pursuit. It's so ingrained in our American fabric, it's so ingrained in mankind that our forefathers thought to place it in our Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. Now, there's an idea. We live in the richest nation on earth. We have everything that we could possibly want. Every uh, luxury is at our uh, beck and call. It's at our fingertips. We have houses that we can live in, air conditioners to keep us cool, heaters to keep us warm. We have electricity. When it comes to food, there is no shortage of options for us. You can have whatever type of food you want uh, at any time of the day and many times of the night. You can drive up and down Missouri Street. You can go around our city and you can find the varieties of food that you can have. I mean, we have it made in the shade. We have everything. And yet, in our culture, you will find that depression is as prevalent, if not more prevalent, than most countries on the face of the planet. The pursuit of happiness. Despite having the world at our fingertips, happiness evades us. We catch hold of it for a moment, but like sand, but like sand it slips quickly through our hands. My friends, happiness is that feeling of pleasantness that comes as a result of our circumstances, but our circumstances change. And in a moment, and on a dime, those things that once brought us happiness bring us sorrow and bring us grief. Amen. Now, of course, I'm preaching to the choir. If you've lived on earth any amount of time, you've been able to observe that what brings you happiness in one moment could bring you sorrow in the next. Amen. But for the believer... I have some really good news for you today. And for those who hear my voice, whether it be on our podcast or online or here present today, I've got some really good news that something greater than happiness is available 
to you. Maybe in today's culture, you might refer to it as a happiness plus. It's all of the pros of happiness without the cons. It's all of the good things of happiness without the fine print. It's a little word, three letters, that we have discussed this entire year in our study of the book of Philippians, a little word called joy. It's the theme of this letter that we have been studying. It's mentioned, the word joy or rejoice is mentioned 13 times in these four short chapters. And now as Paul begins to bring his letter to an end, he finally commands us in these words that I'm sure you've already read, you've already quoted, you've heard many times, we've sang it today on multiple times. Philippians chapter 4 in verse 4, hear now the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, we long for a word from you today. You know that this broken, stuttering uh, under-shepherd that you've placed before these people, you know my weaknesses, you know my inability, but Father, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would intercede for me and would guide your people to your word and bring encouragement to them. And Father, for those who are here today, who have no joy, they have no Jesus, I pray that today they would repent of their sins and call upon Jesus as Savior and as Lord. Would you do a great work in spite of me and through me for your people, for the sake of your name? It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. It's an everlasting shame to me and to us that these words must be written and that what we must be reminded of them over and over again. For the saved, rejoicing ought to come as frequently and as naturally to us as our next breath. Isn't it a shame that that we must stand here, that the Philippian church must have to hear these words, church, rejoice. Church, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, you would think that that is not something that we should be reminded of. After all, church, we were those men and women, boys and girls who were lost in our sins, dead in our trespasses and sins. The Bible said we were enemies of the cross and enemies of God. We were terrorists to his cause. We did not want to obey him. But the Bible says that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ made us alive together with him. Now, of all people, should God's church not be the most joyful? And yet, so often, it's not the case. So often, we have to be reminded, rejoice, church, in the Lord. We become so bogged down in the things of this world. We become so earthly-minded that we are no heavenly good. 
So my friends, today I come to you with a reminder that your pastor needs as much as you do. And it's as, it's as sad that your pastor needs this reminder as it is sad that you need to hear it. But here are these words from Paul, from the Holy Spirit to your heart, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let's look at this command together. Firstly, in the first half, if not three quarters of this message, I want to spend the time looking at what are the benefits of rejoicing in the Lord. And you can consider me kind of a Saturday car salesman to you today. I want to give to you just a few, I want to highlight just to, for you just a few of the beauties of rejoicing in the Lord. Now that is theory. That is, that is big picture, but Towards the end of our message today, I want to show to you what are the practical ways in which you and I can discipline ourselves to rejoice in the Lord. Firstly, I want you to see today as we examine this one verse, a plea to rejoice in the Lord. Paul says this twice, rejoice in the Lord always Again, I will say it, rejoice. Now, what are some good reasons that we should discipline ourselves to daily, to moment by moment, rejoice in the Lord? Let me give you just a few of what I've observed in my own life and in study. Number one, you should rejoice in the Lord because it's good for your sanctification. Rejoicing is good for your sanctification. You have been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ by grace through faith. You've not been saved by works, but you have been saved for works. And the Holy Spirit has begun to work in you if you are a born-again believer. And the Bible says that he is sanctifying you. He is setting you apart. Those things that you once did without conviction, those sins that you once committed without any remorse, now all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is convicting you and molding you into the image of Jesus. And I want you to know this, friends, today. Rejoicing in the Lord is good for your sanctification. It's good because you have been commanded to rejoice. This is not the only time that Paul says this. This is not the only time that it's mentioned in Scripture. Over and over again, we are commanded to rejoice in the Lord. Now, I want you to hear this from me very clearly. Joy is a fruit. Joy is a fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Joy is a fruit. When you are born again, that fruit is placed and, be and begins to be produced in you. We're like an apple tree. An apple tree doesn't think about producing apples. It's just what it does. If you're born again, joy is placed in you. Now, some of you, it may, you may look at your produce. You may look at your life and you'll say, Josh, I don't see a lot of joy there. And it may just be so, but the Lord is pruning you so that you may become more fruitful. It may be that he's digging up a trench around your tree so that he can, so that he can uh, spread some fertilizer on it and water it real good so that that joy comes out. Joy is a fruit. And if you are born again, that fruit is implanted in you and it wants to make its way out. Joy is a fruit 
But rejoicing is a pursuit. Rejoicing is what you and I ought to do because of what God has planted inside of us. Where it's us working out that salvation that God has already worked in us. Rejoicing in the Lord is good for your sanctification. Now, you look around here, we got several children in the sanctuary. And you know, all of us in our flesh, we, we want to sin and we want to do wrong. But you know, a child wants to please their parents. A child wants to do what is right. You may tell them uh, 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 how proud you are of them, how much you love them. You may tell them, hey, listen, I don't want you to eat this large chocolate chip cookie that is sitting up on the counter. And they really want to obey you. But when you walk out of the room, they really want that chocolate chip cookie, right? But there's that conflict there. You know, as believers, we really want to obey our Father. And He is always present. And if He commands us to rejoice in Him, believers, we ought to make it a daily practice to rejoice in Him because it's good for your sanctification. It makes you more like Jesus. Do you want to look more like Jesus? Do you want to be more like Him? Do you want to be more pleasing to Him? Rejoice in the Lord. This is not rejoicing in our circumstances. Well, I think there's good times to rejoice in your circumstances. There's good times that you're going to rejoice in your life at things that happen in your life. But here Paul commands us, it's good for your sanctification to rejoice in the Lord. Psalm 64 and verse 10 says, let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exalt. Why should you and I rejoice in the Lord? Well, it's good for your sanctification. But secondly, if that didn't draw you, rejoicing in the Lord is good for your satisfaction. Everything that we find satisfaction with on this earth eventually winds up disappointing us. Our good health will give out. Our finances will run out. Our relationships will fizzle. Every high comes down at some point. Happiness is, is focused on the situation and on, on things that are going around, but, but situations change but when you rejoice in the Lord, you rejoice in one who is unchanging. You rejoice in one who is faithful. You rejoice in the one who is always the same. You can't do that for a football team. You can't do that for something that you uh, like to eat. Those things change. But you can rejoice in the Lord always because he is unchanging. Now, you may rejoice in a relationship, and let's say that that relationship gives out. Let's say that that relationship, that friendship fizzles, and maybe it's because of an inability that someone on either side of that friendship may have. My friends, when you rejoice in the Lord, you rejoice in the one who is not limited by inability. He will follow through with his promises. He will keep his word. Why do you rejoice in the Lord? Because he really satisfies. 
he really satisfies in the middle of a desert land that we are in, in a wasteland, he's our oasis. He's the one constant and consistent one that we can come to. And so often we as believers get in times of trial and difficulty and we, we satisfy ourselves with distractions. And it doesn't take long if you're born of God for God to weed out those distractions and to cause you to be satisfied in him and in him alone. Now, we're not alone. Do you remember the woman at the well in John chapter 4? She had gone to that well many a times, and she had tried her hardest in her life to get happiness and satisfaction, but she never had satisfaction until John chapter 4 in verse 13 when Jesus tells her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, church, I beg this for you because we are so distracted by the things of this earth that some of you, some of us, have begun to put our joy in the things of this earth because it looks so real. It looks like it can satisfy, but my friends, they give out. But if you rejoice in the Lord, you will find satisfaction for your soul. The things you put your happiness in this world, even if they didn't give up while you're alive, when you're gone, they do you no good. But Jesus remains forever. Find your satisfaction in him. Rejoice in the Lord because it's good for your sanctification. Rejoice in the Lord because it's good for your satisfaction. Rejoice in the Lord thirdly because it's good for your strength. Sorrow and grief will drain you dry. Nothing is more exhausting than grief. Have you noticed that in your life? When you're grieving, even if it seems as if you're doing nothing strenuous, you're just exhausted. Grief, sorrow will train every ounce of energy from you. But there's an interesting count in the book of Nehemiah. The exiles from Babylon, God's people, have come back to Jerusalem, and they have rebuilt the wall around Jerusalem. Uh, they did it under great adversity. A few years ago, we went through the book of Nehemiah, maybe you recall the great adversity they went through to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem so that they may be protected from their enemies. They have finished the construction of the wall and a revival breaks out in Jerusalem. So much so that Ezra finds the book of the Lord. He finds God's word. He, they build a large platform for him and all of God's people come to hear him and he begins to read God's word and God's people begin to mourn and weep because they have not been keeping the law. But notice what the priests call out to them as they're leaving that assembly. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
hey, let me, let me hit it at home for you here today. You got up this morning, perhaps against your own fleshly desire, and you didn't hit the snooze button, or maybe you did, and you just got dressed, you, you came to church, you pulled up onto this parking lot, you turned your car off, and you went, I'm going to have to go in here and smile and pretend to everyone that it's okay when in actuality you are drained and you feel sorrow. And you've come in here this morning and you've shaken some hands and you've smiled at one another, but it's all just surface level. Right down here, you're still hurting and you feel weak. Can I encourage you in something? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Yes. The joy of the Lord is our strength. It's not the type of joy that the world gives, the ha type of happiness that the world gives, but it's the type of joy that only God can give. Why be bogged down in the troubles of this world? We could sit down and hash out all of the problems and all of the things that we're going through. Or, or we could force ourselves, as the Bible tells us to do, that by the Spirit we're to put to death the things of the flesh, to set our eyes upon Him. When everything down here is vying for our attention, the politics are vying for our attention, the world's circumstances are vying for our attention, uh, entertainment is vying for our attention, relationships are vying for our attention. But if we fix our gaze upward... You will find, you will discover a new strength, a type of strength that mounts you up like on eagle's wings and you can soar. I want you to know today there are good reasons for you to rejoice in the Lord. And there are many more that I've not enumerated here today. But I want us to move on now, secondly, to these practical tips to rejoice in the Lord. Practical tips to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, Paul says, I will, again I say, rejoice. Uh, I'm going to be really transparent with you. Uh, God has blessed me and my family. I mean, he is taking care of us. We're so thankful for all that God has given us. I had prepared this message. And even last night I was looking over this message and I was saying, you know, Lord, I just don't feel it. I just don't feel it. I mean, God's been so good to us. God's been so good to me, but sometimes, maybe, maybe it's just me, but I got a feeling there are other folks in here who are like me. Your flesh is weak, and you say, I just don't feel it. And I was saying, Lord, what other sermon do I need to preach? And I felt like I was just continually brought back to here because that is the point. Even when you don't feel it, that's especially when there is the need for us to rejoice in the Lord. There's no fine print here. There's no asterisk that says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Asterisk, this offer does not apply if you're really, really down in the dumps. This does not apply if you're frustrated with life. This does not apply if all types of tragedies have come your way that's not there. It's not if you don't feel like. This is, this is reality. 
Joy is not a feeling. Remember, Paul is writing this letter from where? He's not sitting back in some cafe in Rome, but Paul is writing this letter while imprisoned. And it's not, he's not in prison because he's done something wrong, but because of his pursuit of Christ. Joy is not a feeling. So I think right now, at the end of Philippians, as we approach the end of it, is the best time for us to finally define what is rejoicing. And so here's, here's the definition that as I've observed scripture, I want to give this to you. Rejoicing is the God-given defiant determination to be contented and satisfied and happy in the Lord. Let me say that again. Rejoicing is the God-given defiant determination to be contented and satisfied and happy in the Lord. Rejoicing for you and I is not about feeling, but it's in spite of feeling. It's the determination that when everything else around me says to do otherwise, I'm putting my hope in heaven. I'm, my, my happiness, my glory is there. This time on earth is short. It's a vapor. It's going to be filled with sorrows, but I'm going to a land where there's no death, and I'm going to a land where there's no sickness, and I'm going to a land where there's no sorrow, and I'm going to a land where there is no sin. These are our we should have practical tips here. I'm going to give you practical tips for rejoicing in the Lord. And let me remind you, Psalm chapter 37, verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So this is going to take discipline. Now, a lot of you hear that. You don't like that word, right? That means sweat. That means determination. That means work. Uh, but uh, following Jesus Resting upon him is easy. Following Jesus is costly. He said so. So as we discipline ourselves, let me give you two tips on how to rejoice in the Lord. Number one, you need to set up some reminders. You need to set up some reminders. My mother-in-law was in this week to help take care of our kids during fall break. On the day that she was going to go home, she said, Josh, I'm going to drop off the kids at this certain time. Don't let me forget to give you or to return to you your garage door opener. I said, that is okay. I'll pull out my phone and I set an alarm for 2 p.m. or 1 p.m. or whenever it was. And I said, set an alarm for 2 p.m. And my mother-in-law said, well, how will you know what that means? Foreshadowing. And I said, don't worry, I'll know what it means. So I go about my day, I'm working, I'm doing all of the things that I do. And uh, about two o'clock, my alarm goes off and I said, well, that's funny. What's that for? And I hit ignore, and I put it back in my pocket. Maybe you say I'm uh, too young to do that. I'm a very forgetful person. But you know, it's important for you to set up reminders. If you want to be faithful in this life, if you want to rejoice in the Lord, you need to set up some reminders. If you're to be determined in this pursuit, if you are to rejoice in defiance of your circumstances, you're to set up some reminders. Number one, best reminder that you can set up for yourself is to have time alone with God daily in his word. This is youth group 101 stuff. 
Let me tell you, it's youth group one-on-one stuff. When I was a youth pastor, we said all the time, have a quiet time, have a power time, whatever we called it. It is get time alone daily. And let me encourage you, church members, let me encourage you, church family, you should not be relying upon Sundays and or Wednesdays to feed you spiritually throughout the week. You ought to be spending time alone with God. You ought to be spending time alone in his word. Now, let me tell you how you do that. You pick up God's word. You, maybe you get up early. You set an alarm. You get up a little bit earlier than everybody else. Maybe you wait till everyone goes to sleep. Maybe it's at lunchtime where you can get time alone. And you open up God's Word, you begin at the beginning, maybe you start in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, there's uh, several books there, 27 you can choose from, you can choose from the Old Testament. You start at the beginning and you just read and you ask God, Lord, I want to look like you. I want to please you. I want to know more about you. I want to walk with you. And you open up God's Word and you read. Now, you don't read for head knowledge, right? There's a lot of people who are biblical scholars who have no possession of faith. We're not reading so that we can win some Bible trivia contest. We're reading because we want to know more about Jesus. And this, His Word, is what He has given to us so that we might know Him as we walk on this earth. You and I should have time alone with God daily in his word. Don't neglect that. Set up those reminders. When you're spending time frequently with God in his word, you will be reminded to rejoice. When you look at the news, if you've spent time in God's word, you won't see it as just the world just coming to a complete end, but you'll view it through the lens of scripture. And you will rejoice in the Lord. My friends, set aside time daily to spend alone with God and his word. The psalmist says this over and over again. I'm going to give you a few passages of scripture to write down. Psalm 63 in verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11, write that down. Spend time alone with God daily. Don't neglect this. Secondly, spend time alone with God in prayer. You know, God has given us prayer. And it is so often the last resort. Do you think... How, what a wonderful privilege. How many benefits have we forfeited as believers because we've just refused to bring our request to God in prayer? Spend time alone with God in prayer. Prayer in the hall house when I was growing up as a kid, prayer was for meal time, and that's when we did it. We prayed for our food, and then often our dad would remind us, hey, you have this privilege to speak to God to go to him in prayer, to cast all of your cares upon him. If you want to rejoice in the Lord and be good at rejoicing in the Lord, spend time alone with God in prayer. Thirdly, spend time together with God's people. When we gather together, 
What we do is we encourage one another and build one another up. And when you make the attendance and the serving in your local church a priority, you're setting yourself up for success in sanctification and in rejoicing in the Lord. These reminders are set up to set our eyes on Jesus and not the things of this world. Well, I said I had two things. There's some reminders, and then there's some rehearsals you'll need to attend. Reminders is reading God's Word, spending time alone with Him daily in prayer and in His Word, and in spending time with God's people. But there's some rehearsals you'll need to attend if you want to rejoice in the Lord always. Let me give you a few of those rehearsals. Number one is meditating on God's Word. Uh, when I was about to head over to uh, basic training, it was the first time really out of the house. I was in basic training for the Arkansas Army National Guard, went to, uh, uh, spent nine weeks or however forever away from home in basic training. Before I went, I determined if I didn't have my Bible on me, there was some scripture that I wanted to memorize and meditate upon. And to this day, those passages I go to often when I don't have God's Word readily available to me in paper or digital format, I can go and meditate upon those words. And in difficult times, I can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And, you know, I begin to think about that. Oh, it's so hard being an adult. Oh, it's so hard making those decisions. But when I meditate upon it and I think about it, the Lord is my shepherd. And he guides me. And he provides for me. And he has made certain promises to me. If you want to learn to rejoice in the Lord in the midst of hard times, you need to meditate upon God's word. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. In Eastern religions, meditation is emptying your mind. In Christianity, meditation is filling your mind with God's Word and mulling it over and praying it back to the Lord. You're to meditate upon God's word. Let me give you two others real quickly, and then I'll hit our last point. We should worship the Lord in private. My friends, set aside time during the day to worship the Lord in private, to sing songs to him. That'll teach you how to rejoice in the Lord, sing hymns, uh, sing uh, songs that, that, that point you toward the Lord and toward uh, the exalted Jesus. Worship together in public. When, when we sing songs, it's not time to sit there like this. Right? I don't know this song. I'm not saying that. Charlie, you said it good a while ago. You said I can't sing good, so I'll have to stand up. That was good. That was good. If you're going to rejoice in the Lord, you're going to have to attend some rehearsals. As we sing together, it's not about the quality of your voice. It's about us echoing up together the praises of our King. It's encouraging one another. It's pointing one another to Jesus. Well, final rehearsal. If you want to rejoice in the Lord, you're going to have to practice rejoicing in rough times. In rough times. Well, that's the most difficult. 
The one we always refer to when we talk about difficult times is Job. Remember Job? Everything, everything of physical value in his life is gone by the end of the first chapter, by the middle of the first chapter. His finances, gone. His way to make a living, gone. His children, oh, I know there are those in here today who buried a child, but for Job, it was all of them at once. All of his legacy and all of his hard work and all of those late nights with him and all of those days and all the sounds of their precious voices when they were children and watching them growing up and thinking of what life may have been all at once, gone. Job had, a, I imagine, a dry erase board of what his life would look like and what, what all things he's going to do with his grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And in a moment, the enemy had taken an eraser and gone all the way through it. And everything that he knew, it seemed like in this world was gone. And listen to Job's words in Job chapter 1 and verse 21. He's mourning. I can see this with tears pouring down his face, choking, barely able to get it out. He says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave. Now, in my imagination, this is Josh's imagination, this may be the wrong emphasis, but I imagine that part was real easy. The Lord gave. And I, in my mind, I, I picture him saying that again. The Lord gave. And then he echoed out those last words. The Lord gave. And uh, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Rejoicing isn't just for good times. It's not a feeling for pleasant times. But my friends, believers, hear me today. You were made to rejoice in the difficult times. Now that doesn't mean that you feel good, but it means that you acknowledge I'm anchored in heaven. Heaven is my home. Lord, I'm rejoicing in you and you alone. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. My friends, my brothers, my sisters, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Thanks for joining us for this episode of First Importance. You're invited to check out our other sermons on this channel and, if you're in the West Memphis area, to join us for our Sunday worship at 1045 a.m.